Hey everybody, I want to talk about a product and platform that I absolutely love and our latest sponsor, Interseller, the prospecting and outreach platform of choice for recruiters and sellers. Whether you're doubling down on business development or recruiting talent, Interseller does all the heavy lifting of finding contact data, automating the email and follow-up process, and syncs all that rich data into 20-plus CRM and ATS platforms. Reach out now and get going on a two-week free trial and let them know you heard about it from Adam on the podcast today. Check out the link on the website. Appreciate it. Welcome to the podcast, where we introduce you to incredible humans who share their journeys with the mission to inspire you to harness your own inner tenacity to drive your life and career forward. And now, your host, Adam Posner. What's up, everybody? And I don't really say what's up anymore, so I'm going to say what's up, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We're bringing the best and the brightest in the world of business, marketing, entrepreneurship, and a whole bunch of other things. And we just have fantastic conversations with incredible human beings to help you harness your own inner tenacity and drive your career forward. We've had some really great guests here on the past on the podcast, and Perfecto Sanchez is no exception, except for the fact that he's essentially lived multiple lives. First is a hero serving our country in one of the most dangerous and deadly war zones in the world in Ramadi, Iraq, and then coming back home to run Fortune 500 companies to incredible success, finally followed by leaving to drive even more incredible social change through his Keep the Change Consultancy Organization. And I'm comfortable enough to say that I am truly awestruck. I truly am. I said to him before we got on the air by this guy, and I know you will too as we peel back the heavy layers of his story. And there's a ton to cover here, and I want to make the most of our time together. So let's get right to it. Perfecto. Welcome to the podcast. What is up, Adam? How are you doing today? I'm thrilled, thrilled to have you here. We have so many mutual connections in common and not just connections, but people that are truly, truly influencers in our mutual lives here and have have had such a great impact. And quick big shout outs to, to Marcus Glover, Bon and Bo, Katie and Michael Lobler. And thank you to those the guys best. for just connecting the dots here. So let's get into it. I mean, I got to ask you first question. Is Perfecto your real name? It is. And um, as you can imagine, growing up in New York City, uh, a product of New York City public schools, um, it did not go over well. So you're probably, yeah, what, um, where'd you grow up? Born and raised in Sheepshead Bay. I went to PS um, 272 in, um, Jesus Christ, in um, <laughs> PS2, <laughs> it's a Monday morning, PS 272 in Canarsie. Uh, and then I went to uh, Shell Bank Middle School in Sheepshead Bay. That's me hilarious. A There's not a lot of true blue New Yorkers that have the PS um, before schooling. I'm yeah, PS, and, and, and it, yeah, PS 181 in Harlem. Nice. Then uh, PS 183 out in Queens. So back to the name not going over well. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> like, honestly, kids can be cruel. And I went by my middle name most of my life, actually. So my middle name's Khalil. Um, Perfecto, I think I'm probably like the 17th or something. It's my dad's name. But um, like many people from my background, my dad wasn't in the picture growing up. Um, so did not have a real connection to the name. And it wasn't until West Point that I somewhat accidentally fell into my own name when I realized I completely filled out my uniform cards wrong mm. so like imagine like a, applying to college but it's like applying to the dmv because you're applying for the army you can't change and <laughs> i 
never filled out last name, first name before. So I was like, whatever, Perfecto Sanchez, Perfecto Sanchez, Perfecto Sanchez showed up to boot camp. Whereas it should have said Sanchez as my last name over like on my uniform. <laughs> Imagine the Jill Sergeant's face when it said Perfecto. I was like, Fuck. oh boy, you were a target. <laughs> yeah. And immediately I, I, the most famous kid at school. Oh man, I love it. So let's take it back though. I want to take it back to your roots in Harlem to set the tone of our conversation here. And we were listening to an interview, my, my producer Chris and I, a while back with Vietnam veteran uh, John Legato, who said, quote, the most dangerous weapon in the world is a pissed off 19 year old Marine. And I believe the implication, as I understood it, was that they're coming from backgrounds where they want to serve a greater purpose and grow through this transformation and trying to balance that angst of a, of a young adult maturing and then going into the, the military. How, how accurate is that take? From your from your perspective, John Legato is such a legend. Um, Vietnam veteran, like Bronze Star, FBI, just hero. Um, such a good human, and um, and a mentor, and a mentor of mine. And so, what's interesting about our two different experiences that the context would be helpful is, um, I joined the army when I was seventeen years old, and I'll age myself a bit three nine eleven so think about it in this modern day age two new york kids did you ever think that new york would get attacked let alone that no. we'd get into a 17 year 17 year long war no man um, that day no. that they changed that they oh. changed every everyone's life i mean Forget i was i was it. stuck it's, in i was stuck up in buffalo i felt helpless i couldn't help my city as a new yorker it's it was crazy and mind you i don't have anyone in my family that ever served in the military either so I kind of went in eyes wide shot, no idea what I was getting myself into. West Point was an opportunity for me to change my trajectory, to get out of Harlem. Then all of a sudden, like my freshman year, like the city we're from gets attacked. And now all of a sudden it becomes so, so real. And I was like, wow, I actually might see combat. And so this whole idea of a pissed off Marine, it's, it's, you know, mind you, I'm army, but for me, the army saved my life in that it gave me the opportunity to channel any anger, any sort of energy, any sort of bad habits into something productive. And so that's the only thing I'll add to John's quote is I wasn't going in with a sense of anger. I was going in with a sense of opportunity and knowing that I also had a huge responsibility to do the right thing, which not a lot of people truly understand that when you're holding a weapon in your hand that can kill people, like you really do have people's life in your hands. Yeah, absolutely. Did you, did you feel like the drawing for the military? Did you, did you recognize before going in that you needed structure and, and, and a sense, was it a sense of purpose? Like what, what was it? What drew you in? Especially at I West mean, Point. First of all, you also had some pretty good grades to get in there, man. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up with a Jamaican mother. So, I mean, West Point was easy compared to the strict household that I grew up in. Um, definitely there was a sense of purpose. Um, and there was a sense of really wanting to see what I could be made at, like what, what I can make out of my life. And I think it's easy to go through life and kind of not knowing really what's possible. But one of the best parts about West Point then following on after that Ranger School and going through kind of that route of infantry, um, sort of special operations training, you really know at the end of the day what you're made out of. And it is a sense of higher calling. 
But the simplest answer is that the, is the army saved my life. Like I could have been mixed up in some pretty bad sort of like groups and the kids I grew up with. Yeah. The kids I grew up with. Jail, dead or army, right? Straight up. Straight up. I mean, I grew up in, in section eight housing in, in Harlem, like on welfare. So it was my ticket out. That's, that's, that's incredible. And did your mom, was she fully supportive or was there hesitation, doubt from her? Oh my goodness. Like I, it was a conscious decision on my behalf to shield her from any of what was actually happening. Yes, the news was on. But I'll never forget the conversation I had with her when I chose and volunteered to go infantry, which of course is for those that may not know, infantry is a, a front line sort of like legit yeah, jump out of airplanes, like helicopters onto the into the combat zone, frontline kind of soldiers, was that I told her I wanted to be surrounded I wanted the best training. I wanted to be surrounded with also the best trained soldiers. Because at the end of the day, I was twenty two when I first went into combat. But I was in charge of 35 highly skilled, you know, infantry soldiers. They're the ones who took care of me. And the last thing I wanted to do was to be with a bunch of kind of no names, like walking around with our head cuts off, with our head yeah, cut, no uh, with our heads cut off. So it was. So I protected my mom in that sense, and and I mean, it, it's an interesting story. Like I remember when I actually got hurt um, in Ramadi, and the army notifies your next of kin. And I actually called my uncle in the middle of the night to be like, yo, I'm good. Seriously, Heads up, just like, tell mom that she gets to call mom fine. That you, that you spoke to me because I'm not calling her at 3 o'clock in the morning. I'm completely fine. So she kind of went in like willfully ignorant, just making sure that I was emotionally taken care of. And that was the, probably the best. I, would, I wouldn't do it any differently. You were 22 years old, leading 35 men. I, I assume some of them were older than you, more experienced than you, but you came out of the leadership that, that came out of West Point. Um, what was one of those early, early tough lessons to learn as a leader, especially in life and death situation, man? Yeah, I mean, we get we get taught like about sort of what it's like to get control of your first unit at West Point. And I mean, West Point's a premier leadership institution, right? But nothing beats and on the job training. And I was walking into quite possibly on paper, the worst, well, not on paper. I was walking into the worst situation possible. My unit was already in country. So they were already in combat. That means that they had trained up for a full year, knew each other, were best of friends and had already experienced combat. And their Lieutenant who I was replacing was also just killed in action. And he was one of the most revered and respected soldiers in the unit, uh, Lieutenant Love. Um, And he spoke Arabic. He was like all around stud. And all of a sudden you get this, what's called a cherry Lieutenant, like a butter bar, fresh out of West Point, crisp uniform, going up to like this hardened soldiers <laughs> yeah hardened soldiers in this camp in the middle of nowhere and i will never forget i was like listen like i'm never going to ask you to do something i wouldn't do myself i'm you know it's my job to make sure you have the tools to be successful 
and I'm here to learn and I'm here to make sure that, you know, I bring as many of us all home alive. And my whole leadership philosophy was professionalism, that we need to be professional soldiers and just do that. That's a massive lesson. And, and we'll get to how that lesson translated into the civilian life there. Um, why the army though? Like, the, was it, was it, I always yeah. like to ask this question to Millie. Yeah. And I've had all branches of the military on my show. I haven't had Coast Guard yeah, yeah. though, if that counts. Um, <laughs> no offense <laughs> to the Coast Guard. You guys, you guys do a great job. They're awesome. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was, it was, my lens was education first. So, this point is the better academy out of every other academy. So, I'll just say that, um, and which I'm sure will piss off a lot of your other guests. But um, I think the legacy of West Point, West Point, of course, is also in New York. So I wanted to keep my track record of public school, New York information, uh, education through and through. And also the Army, when I look at sort of who the generals are, who are the real leaders in industry as well, they are the infantry strategic leaders who have had real world experiences in managing teams. And it's that leadership philosophy that really attracted me to the military and to the army and to, and to going to ranger school, going to airborne school and leading troops in combat, which I'm not someone that sits on the sidelines and watches. Um, I think my biggest pet peeve is just like injustice and, um, and bullies. And so the privilege that I had to serve in our generation's war and the privilege of leading soldiers is not something I took very lightly because it really was an honor. Like I was responsible for their life, their welfare and their, and, and it's something that not just, um, I take a lot of like honor in, but I still keep a lot of touch. I keep in touch with a lot of my guys and the fact that they're proud about their service, I made very sure that we led with integrity that they never did anything that they regret because many people, the war continues, but that's also important. That um, was part of my philosophy. I, I, I love it. And and first and foremost, thank you. You know, thank you for your service so much. And, and thank you for volunteering to protect our country. There's so many folks who take it for granted. And, and, and it's, I don't care what your political views are in this country. I really don't give a shit right, left, center. I yep. really don't care where you are. I don't even care like if you're a racist ass motherfucker, even though I do a little bit, but <laughs> you support the military. You support the folks that go out there and put their lives on the fucking line for us every day and, I, and I'll stick by that. So thank you so much for, for your sure. service, Perfecto. And along those lines, you know, what what is it that like is a, is a is a misconception that civilians will never understand about the military? What do you think that like that biggest misconception is? Yeah, I, um, Great question. And I think the biggest misconception is that the military are a bunch of like roughneck, like door kicking grunts that, you know, can run, you know, six minute miles and can bench press, you know, all the weight in the world. And while that mostly is true, there's some of the smartest, most empathetic wise leaders that this world has ever seen because it's where a lot of innovation comes from. It's mm -hmm. where even the cliches that people use in the boardroom 
come from the military culture because it's true we live the ethos of 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 camaraderie we live the ethos of just problem solving we have to think outside the box to constantly innovate and some of my favorite books that i read not just because of my background are from military writers and from military leaders because i see them doing some just groundbreaking things not just on like in uniform but in the civilian sector as well and that's i think not a lot of people really realize is just how smart a lot of um, our service members really are and that's what makes our army at the end of the day very very different and i just want to add that one piece that is a Please. huge nuance that no one really understands the heart and soul of our military are the non-commissioned officers they are the people that enlist and that level of service that level of dedication to craft you know being a steward of of a craft is so beautiful in in the in in the u.s military that it separates us for let's say the russian military and I don't oh, yeah. want to talk politics, but even the Chinese military, it's like, you know, they're more or less like a hierarchical officer led, um, you know, organization, but the heart and soul are these 19 year old kids who maybe never went to college or these non-commissioned officers who have done 15, 20 years and they're just great at what they do. They're the ones that make our military so much different than any other fighting force in the world. And, and and hats off hats off to them i mean absolutely and and hopefully knock on wood uh some level of, some level of peace yeah right hopefully we don't have to see that so switching gears for a little bit you know we take uh we take a lot of pride in, in getting to know our our guests in advance of of coming on the show and relative to most of my guests you have, a, you have a pretty low profile but one of the main offerings you put together was quote um uh, against all odds which tells the story of the human experience of, of the war you fought alongside your brothers in iraq how did you feel that that documentation doc documentation of your time was received yeah um and it's you know a couple of things to unpack there i on purpose keep a very low profile um i'm a big fan of just doing the work um and and you know i don't do it for credit for fame i get great it's a, again it's a privilege to get to do what i do every day and um, when i was approached by the discovery channel to do the documentary i was like fuck no like I don't want you don't to be, want the, you don't want the light on you. You don't, you know, that's want not the you light on me. Exactly. And I said, no, um, several, several times, but they kept saying like, listen, your name keeps coming up. You know, Ramadi was just declassified as a battle. Right, so, so the info's coming out, all the info's coming out. There's a couple books on it. I'm in a couple of those books as it is. And what really kind of turned the corner for me was I, realize I'm not doing this documentary for me. I'm doing it for my soldiers so that they have something to look at and to be like, I was part of that. That's my Lieutenant. I'm doing it for the families of the soldiers that I lost. You know, unfortunately stories. I lost, you know, several soldiers under my command and like, and just for context, I actually just wrote a graduation letter to one of my soldiers daughters who just graduated wow. from high school just to put in context how um, many time years has passed and you know to see and i remember him talking about his daughter and she would just wrote me back it's um you know especially safer and his daughter's name is michaela and just like a beautiful young woman and she's able to look at that documentary now and be like that was my dad's lieutenant this is Legacy, what my dad did memory 
Correct. That's it, man. And that's the difference. That's the 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 the, the brotherhood, the camaraderie, the yep. loyalty for each other. And how does that translate in, into the into the corporate world? Um, which we'll get to in a second here. But like, do you do you encourage other service members to to share their story? Is that I mean, let's talk for a second about mental health. Mental health is the oh, number yeah. one biggest issue uh, plaguing veterans. Coming back home, the suicide rates are off the charts. Like, w- yep. would it help for them to talk more, to share their stories? I mean, listen, there's certain things you don't share in the military. I know that. I will never ask that question on the show. Mm-hmm. But there's other parts of the story and the journey, the trials, the tribulations, the camaraderie, the stories that should be shared. What are your thoughts? You hit the nail right on the head. And that's another sort of misnomer that I want to address as well. The first thing is I had never talked to anybody about my experience until that show so what you see is like real life therapy and i cry and i cry not because of the bad memories i cry because of the love i have for my soldier for my fellow soldiers that i submit like you know that for my team and just thinking of just like just the 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 trust that we had built um i'm a huge proponent of you know advocate for mental health but not just for veterans <laughs> like you know the you know veterans you know we think that veterans have a lot of trauma but to tell you the truth we're all walking around with this compact like complex trauma and i think it's it's, it's a societal issue that we have not normalized mental health and so i do think it's healthy to talk about our trauma i think it's you know i see a therapist you know um every week and it's not so much that we're working towards through any problem it's just i also change my oil on my car every three months you know i you know like I, I do i brush my teeth every day it's, it's a part yep. of my routine so i can be the best leader that i could possibly be and it's a healthy relationship that i have with my therapist and i not just recommend for all veterans to go but for a lot more of us leaders who have a lot of responsibility to make sure that we're not alone in this and continuing to lead by example. I mean, that's leadership that's going to follow you through. Hey, everybody. First, I'd like to thank you all for spending time with me and my guest on the podcast. This show is my canvas to showcase amazing people from the world of recruiting, entrepreneurship, and leadership, and unpack their career journeys for everyone to learn from. But this show is also a business generator for me, as well as creating thought leadership and endless amazing content. And I've taken what I've learned in the past three years and over 200 recorded and 100 live shows and distilled it down into a digital playbook that I call the Pause Course. Now you could learn how I build, manage, and produce the podcast and use it to drive real business development and relationships. Today, I'm sharing all of my secrets behind the podcast, and you can get it all at thepausecourse.com. This course is for anyone, whether you're starting out or an advanced podcaster using it for B2B, a B2C, it's filled with all of my insights, learnings, tips, tricks, and templates. So get it now at thepausecourse.com and learn all my secrets. Thanks. Let's talk about the flip side. When you return to the States after serving and you enter corporate America, um, <laughs> like, I mean, I'm assuming that West Point prepared you for that with the higher education piece did you did you always know that the path was to leave the military like did you ever have your eyes set on being a career military guy or was it always like hey i'm gonna i'm gonna put in my time serve and then come back out to civilian life what was that like that's always an interesting and i've talked to a lot of veterans about that where that the 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 transitional thought and then those first couple of years uh could be rough very rough yeah 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 no i there's um 
a lot of key lessons. I learned a lot of key lessons in those first couple of years. Um, and just for context, my best friends bet me that I would never leave because <laughs> I loved it. Not just because I loved it so much, but because I was really, really good at it. And my best friend for context is still in and he's coming up in 18 years wow. and he's, and we were going to, uh, to special forces selection together. Um, so he passed, he, he became a green beret and beyond, um, and is still continuing to do great things, um, in the military. And we can park that because our political views are very, very different. And some of our conversations, um, are very, uh, heated. heated to say the least, but he's my number one best friend and no one I trust more it, in the world. And it comes back to this. It always, as far as you go in a conversation, it comes back to center. Come back it's to respect, respect and love and, and being trust. able to have discourse in a right. way that's respectful and you're not insulting somebody's mom, right? Yeah. And be able to come back to it and, and let's just, you know, let's have realistic conversations. I mean, our country's divided. We got to bring it back together. Exactly. And, 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 and through conversation. Um, and so a couple of thoughts went through my head is, and you, you touched on this earlier. Um, I did have a higher <laughs> calling for service and purpose, which, you know, you can imagine to join the military, but I realized I didn't have to be 3000 miles away in a war zone to do that. So serving my local community and as being a leader here, um, you know, back home, I realized if that is my truth, then I will still do it and I will find a way to do it. And that's kind of has been, you know, at a very macro level, been my journey. And at the same time, I've never taken a marketing class in my entire life. And I consider myself a marketing professional now. Right. And I never forget being a fish out of water, like wearing slack and showing up. Khakis. In a nine, in a nine to five, <laughs> exactly. In a nine to five job at Kraft. And I was lucky enough to have a really good boss, my first boss, Nathan Schultz. And I was falling behind because all my peers had MBAs you know, had been in the corporate world for many years. And this was my first job, like two months out of the army. And he said to me, he said, you know, like it's easy to teach someone Microsoft PowerPoint and Excel. So it's yep. very hard to teach someone how to lead. And we are all going to spend eight hours, 10 hours a day working together. And if someone has a positive experience here working with you, they're going to go home, be a better husband, be a better wife, be a better dog owner, be a better parent. And if we can make their lives better just by being good leaders, that's going to have a good impact. I was like, shit, I know how to do that. Damn, I can do that. <laughs> and, I mean, I'm doing it. You're, but hit the, hit the pause button for a second there. Talk, a, talk for a second here about the process. Like, do, like you come out and you're like, I want to get into marketing. I want to get into mm -hmm. like, wh where was the mindset and how had you landed craft? Totally. So there's actually a big business. I mean, you're in recruitment, right? Like yep. there's a big business for recruiting um, junior military officers. And it's for that same reason. I mean, you have a very disciplined cohort of yep. young leaders that have been operating in the chaotic environment, battle no tested. systems, no yeah, battle tested, no processes. You can teach us pretty much anything you want and we'll get the job done. This whole notion of just get the job done, no excuses, 
Yeah. Like that is priceless. I have like 78% of that attitude. And I think that's pretty high for somebody who hasn't served. Like I get shit. Like my motto is get shit done, get shit done, figure it's it rare. out, get shit done. But in it's the military, so that's it. That's your ethos. That's ingrained in you. It's tattooed on your freaking chest. Exactly. It's, it's so, so rare. And I was at one of these job conferences and it's like speed dating. I think I had like 18 yep. interviews over two days and, um, I'll never forget. They were like, oh my goodness, Kraft is here today recruiting. Kraft hasn't been here in like six years. They're hiring an associate brand brand manager. And I was like, what the heck is that? I never never even heard the word brand before. You probably just thought of mac and cheese, right? That's all you're thinking about. Yeah, and I'm lactose intolerant. (laughs) I don't even eat the stuff. So it's like, like, all right, well, if this is the number one job, then I'm going to get it. And I crammed all night like reading just pamphlets on what is a brand manager. And I made sure that when I left that interview room that Roxanne Bernstein, um, who's, who's hired, who is, is who, who hired me and still one of my heroes to this day, um, who happens to be a West Point graduate um, and is one of the best bosses I've ever had the privilege of working for. Um, she hired me, but I made damn sure that she knew that I wanted the job and that I would do anything, anything for her. Um, and I was her, I was her guy. Like, literally just pick down doors for her. <laughs> well, that's really interesting too, as a recruiter too. And, and the show is Genesis. The roots of my show were around mm-hmm. recruiting and, and, and people in HR too. It's really interesting how you say that, how, if you really want the job, and I think we moved away from this in the last couple of years, and that's a topic for a whole other conversation, we moved away from people really working for the jobs that they want. And not to say mm-hmm. that people don't, but the majority of people, I remember I grew up, it was the process of the job hunt, the research that went into it, mm-hmm. targeting the companies. And that's what people really need to do if they want the job and move away from this level of entitlement that you should be giving me the job. And I think oh. that's really the clear the the, the clear yep. difference here. And I don't care what people are going to say in the comments. I really don't give a shit. I, I stand firmly by this because this is how I built my career mm-hmm. early on. My first job, I worked for a B2B food service company and Kraft was one of our clients on wow. the agency side. And I was 22, 23 years old. So there's a good chance that we were, well, the time, time is a law on that, but but I worked for that and I wanted that job so bad that for that, for that last interview, they didn't even ask me. I put together a PowerPoint presentation on why I I think I should be for that job. And when people do that and they stand out and they're noticeable, the same thing with thank you letters, man. I can't even tell you, we went from, we went from five years ago where it was best practice to write a solid thank you letter to now the gurus in a world says like, no one reads a thank you letter. Now, if you write a thank you letter, you are going to stand out in the job search because you are now the minority. Yep. Sorry, it's I had a so, rant for there a second. No, no, no. I, I think you're so, so right. And a little bit of a tangent onto thank you letters, though. Tangents are cool. Let's go for it. Um, but like, here's something that is going to sound super weird. I've never told anyone this, but um, this guy's name was Alex Guardi. He was head of manufacturing for Kraft. And um, I was like doing my interviews with him and um, I'd got the job. I was just doing like my, my, my meet and greets or whatever. And we really just hit it off. And, and he was like, hey, let me give you a piece of advice as you start your career. Always write a thank you letter. And not just that, he goes, I have been saving my thank you letters for the last 30 years. And I started doing that as whenever someone sends me a thank you letter, I like take a screenshot and put into a folder and you'd be surprised. Like I hardly ever look at it, but when I do, it's like, Oh shit. Like I didn't realize that like me being kind to that one person randomly 
Jeez, 10 years ago when they were having a bad day and three years later they're like hey like don't you know like i've been thinking about you and you you were kind to me when no one else was is this sort of has been such a guiding you need that it's, it's been yeah it's it makes such a big difference and people don't realize meaningful thoughtful thank like, you letters. a thoughtful thank you a sincere gesture of like hey like i just thank you i appreciate the question you asked or you're kind to me today that's such a like a special thing that we have as humans and it's getting so lost in the hiring process but in our society and like and it's it's unfortunate I um the the second place so I, I pivoted into recruiting seven years ago. I don't know if you know mm-hmm. my whole story. I was in marketing for fifteen years before that, and the second full time placement I, I ever made, the lady sent me a physical handwritten thank you card, thanking me so much for getting her helping her get a raise and getting a job that she really likes. And she was there for like four or five years before changing jobs, and I still have that thank you letter somewhere, and and, and I had it pinned on my my wall because it just showed me. What I'm doing for a living is making yeah. a difference in, in someone's life sometimes. So let's switch gears um, for a little bit here. I mean, you, you well, actually stay on that for a second. Let me hit the rewind <laughs> button here. Um, you built some incredible brands. I mean, we're talking uh, Mio. Wasn't the drops that went in the water? Is yeah. that what that was? Yeah. I remember that from my time there. You built that mm-hmm. to a hundred million in its first year. What do you attribute that success to, man? Like taking a, a brand to that level. And listen, we're not saying you're the only one on the team who did that, but you played a significant role. Teamwork. Um Roxanne, who recruited me, that Mio was not my first job at Kraft. I started at, out at Tang in Country Tang. Time. Tang in Country Time. And um, eventually, um, Roxanne, who was probably working behind the scenes on this top secret innovation, Roxanne, again, a military West Point grad, mm-hmm. um, she put together a badass team. And she put on a SWAT team together, right? It, it was not just a badass SWAT team. But the amount of trust, respect, and admiration that we had for each other, I mean, 10 years later, we still are all on a chain. Can you think of a job, a nine to five job? None of us had equity in the business. Like, you know, most of us don't even work at Kraft anymore. So the 5th of May was like Cinco de Mio was when we had our first happy hour. All of us like hop on like a chain. We say how we're doing. We knew each other's kids, and it was this sense of camaraderie that we were building something together. And for me, as a young brand manager, like I realized my role on what I needed to do to make sure that everyone else had what they needed to be successful. And I was yes a cog in a wheel, but it was part of something that was greater than all of us that made us want to achieve and stupid stuff like we sold out of our product and so i remember going down to the plant in virginia and you never get a marketing person that goes down to the plant i was there for a week just with alex Barty, like the same guy i was like all right like you know what can i do to show sort of our factory workers that this is something that's important that they're part of something greater that kind of is the the principles i learned in the military as well if i'm not willing to load sandbags how can i tell my guys that they have to load sandbags so what so happened when that, you went to the yeah. factory? How did that translate into the factory story? I mean, the factory story was we I will never, we were putting these new nozzles onto mm-hmm. the line and installing new equipment. And any day that we missed would translate to ten to tens of millions of dollars that we would have lost in the business if we weren't maximizing our production. And again, it's a, I think what, what people don't realize, and this is 
is probably somewhere on on in my philosophy. But at the end of the day, I believe that people are the greatest asset to any organization. And I'll say it again: people are the greatest asset to any organization. When you're in the either whether you're in the military, selling soft drinks, you're like in manufacturing. If you can't look someone in the eye and be like, "Hey, like, you know, you're part of this bigger piece." then what are we really doing? And my favorite anecdote about this when it comes to, again, teamwork and just purpose is the um, the President John F. Kennedy story about when he, when he went to go visit NASA. And I don't know if you know the story, but he was like walking through NASA. It was late at night. Obviously, the president's there. So like it was like top secret stuff. And he walked into a room where a janitor was there mopping the floor. And the president goes to the janitor, what are you doing? And you would think that Johnny would be like, holy shit, like I'm talking to the president. You know what his answer was? He goes, I'm helping to put someone on the moon. He realized that him mopping the floor, he wasn't mopping the floor. He was helping put someone on the moon. And that sense of teamwork is what really drove Mio. But that's been my ethos in any job I've ever held on making sure that people know why they're doing what they're doing. Wow. I love it. You spoke earlier about, you know, finding the sense of purpose through the military. How have you found the sense of purpose in corporate America? I mean, or have you? I, I, I've i been fortunate to, you know, go out on my own almost eight years ago um, to start my own agency. Um, but when there, of course, there are not always going to be times when you're in alignment. Um, but it's my own personal why that drives me to continue to sort of show up and to stay in the fight because some days you're just going to have bad days in the office. And that's a euphemism for the bad days I've had in many different offices that I've been in military included. And when you have a bad day in the office, it doesn't mean like you go home and cry. It means you pick yourself back up, you get back out there and you do what you have to do to grow and to learn. So my purpose is to make an impact. And I realized that a lot of the hardships that I've had in my life were obstacles or sort of, or trips and falls have only served me to better calibrate what is my why and my, and, and then through that and through my growth and through my career, I really want to make sure that I make this world a better place than when I found it. And a lot of it is now in the realm of sort of social equity and, and racial equity. And, 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 and my agency, we specifically elevate purpose as a way to drive growth for companies. And I deal with bad clients and I, and I have like, I lose a, like, yeah, it always happens, but I'd be damned if you're going to take me off of my path. Um, uh, and that's my truth. I love it, man. So let's, let's get on to it. Let's talk about keep the change. Um, yeah. you know, as a, as a girl dad, one of the things I noticed is that you, you have a lot of women on your team. So kudos to that. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you did that intentionally or subconsciously, but it worked out well. You know, some great down to earth people, some folks that we know very well that we spoke about earlier. The other thing that stands out is the way that you have impact based selection with each company you work with, like Budweiser, Absolute, Amex. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it seemed like you guys have adopted a model where there's always social impact, but sometimes it's not even present in the consumer facing part of the campaign, right? I'd love to, to just hit the rewind button. Tell us a little bit about, um, keep the change and, and dig into the purpose led mission. Yeah. Quick, re quick rewind though. How old is your daughter? She is 10. And these are her initials right here who I named oh, the wow. company after. And oh, tomorrow, wow. Nina, Nina Harrison Posner and tomorrow's, uh, our fifth year anniversary. So it's a That's very big amazing. day tomorrow. 
that's Amazing. my that's my that's my shit right there that's and i see it the sun rises and sets oh. right above me every day in this office and yeah literally figuratively there there she is yeah that warms my, my, my heart son is so four yeah so he's gonna be pissed off when he realizes soon that i didn't even <laughs> shit after him yet so <laughs> thank you for asking i appreciate it <laughs> i mean women are so much more important than men anyway so yeah he'll have to <laughs> he'll have to learn that soon enough um, yeah, we have one purpose in life yeah um one function I mean, just like before I like dive into the um, my company, um, just going back to like just you know the women in my life. I mean, my mom was a single mom. Um, I have two sisters and then a younger a br- younger brother. My mom has you know three sisters. My grandmother was a single mom, and out of my mom's seventeen cousins, there's one male. So as tough as I. Th- as people might think that I am, I'm tough because I was raised by a pack of badass Feminine black women. divine energy. <laughs> and that's just the truth right there. And so, um, just having a lot of respect for exactly to that divine feminine energy is, um, I'm just very grateful for that. And so when it comes to sort of my work and yes, not every, and so I run a consulting shop. Um, some people might say, oh, we run a, a, an all-service creative agency and all this stuff. Like, sure, we do a lot of that. But at the end of the day, I want to be on the front line of where the decisions are being made and to make sure that decisions are being made with all stakeholders in mind. And so stakeholders are anything from, <laughs> yes, your shareholders, which is how most businesses have operated for the longest time. But I look at it through a multifaceted lens of how are we impacting our employees? So how can we make sure that all employees also understand the mission mm-hmm. of their company? How are we impacting the consumers, the community, uh, you know, the manufacturing, our suppliers? And we've touched almost every single part of different businesses across multiple sectors. And you mentioned some consumer products, but we worked with the city of Tulsa, for example, to build a, um, a, a dual structure fund to invest in black owned businesses to black, help black wall street story there black wall street, exactly yeah. yeah to help close the racial wealth gap in, in in tulsa you know we worked with the city of philadelphia and the, the philadelphia water department to um drive awareness around clean drinking water and give out low interest loans to families who need to have their pipes changed so that they can get access to clean drinking water and not spend their low disposable income on bottled water all, all that's to say, I mean, my undergrad degree was in engineering. And so I look at the world as a system. Where is the critical point that if we focus on, we can extract the most amount of value? And it's not always going to be sexy, but that's where we can drive the most impact. And that's what our consulting shop does. Um, we've done some badass creative campaigns, like we threw pallets of beer out of the back of a C-130 and <laughs> parachuted it down to, in the middle of the Arizona desert to a bunch of veterans. What, what kind of insurance did you have to get for that activation? Jeez. <laughs> it's That's honestly <laughs> over a beer. I'll have to tell you that story because yeah. we actually lost the pallet and in the middle of the night was like trucking sure. through the desert trying to find it. So it kind um, of brought you back to the military like shit, we're on a recon was, mission here. You're on a beer recon mission in the middle of the desert, right? Like you exactly. mind fuck. Yeah. It's like, what is this? But what was beautiful was that a lot of the veterans that we invited to be part of it did had no idea why they were there. 
and looking at a Vietnam veteran and watching him cry and say, this is the welcome home that we never received is just like, that gets me out of bed. But yeah. on the flip side of that, it's not just for lack of a better word, like tree hugging work that we do. Budweiser also through this campaign saw their first quarter of positive growth after sort of five quarters, because one of the things we also brought to life was a sales incentive program to get the sales team involved to like build more displays to promote the product. Right. And so the background it's that business. I have of being a brand manager, it's business. It's business. It has to selling make product. Money. That's what we're doing. We're selling product. That's what we're doing. Exactly. So we, we're not just doing it for the, cause it's the, it's nice and fluffy, but we do, we do good shit. Yeah, bring it, bring it, bring it together, man. I, I absolutely love it. It's a fantastic organization. We'll link it up in the in the bottom there. But one one of the last things I came across, and I hope you don't mind me sharing across my research, was and it really kind of hit me is um a letter that you posted to your Instagram last year that your grandmother wrote. Mm. Mm. Um, are you cool if I read it? Please. Yeah. <clears throat> and do you want to give a little context to set it up before I read it? I mean, oh, I love you so much more, Adam. I didn't think I could. Um, <laughs> So I was raised by my grandmother and because my mom was young when she had me. Um, this is a woman who came from Jamaica with like the clothes on her back. She was the head pianist for the dance theater of Harlem, um, you know, raising four girls in the projects in Harlem. Um, in that same journal, she has letters about how she is scared about how we, we were about to get evicted or, you know, scared because my father, um, and I won't use explicit, 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 but was like, she was worried about like the violence that my father, you know, was doing to, you know, what could do. And she lived with what some would say little wealth. But in her journal, there are such pearls of joy that it's hard to truly comprehend. And the fact that I was able to save a couple of them and, and what you're about to read, I think is one of the most beautiful things that grounds me whenever I'm having a bad day. Yeah, I'm going to read it. There's one line that was cut off on the picture. So maybe you could fill it in when I cue you on this one, if you have it down to memory here. So <clears throat> Your life will be richer if, on this day, you make an effort to mend a quarrel, search for a forgotten friend, dismiss a suspicion and replace it with trust, write a letter to someone who misses you, encourage someone who has lost faith, keep a promise, forget an old grudge, examine a demand on others and vow to produce them, fight for a principle, express your gratitude, overcome an old fear. Take two minutes to appreciate the beauty of nature. Tell someone you love them and tell them again and again and again. Words to live by, man. So beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It yeah, I mean, I mean, what's your favorite I, line? I, I think if I if I if I'm really looking at, at, at this one, it really comes down to express your gratitude, and it's something that people throw around. Gratitude is such a fucking buzzword these days, but what, oh. is, what does it really mean? And it's showing like really true appreciation. And for me, like 
I, I am taking much more of an effort. I'm lucky to be part of a bunch of different communities, and we'll talk about this offline, um, where gratitude is the 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 mo like that, and it's it's embedded in us, and we don't do it because we have to. We do it because we want it because we genuinely feel that way. Um, and I and I think people really need to start opening up because I truly believe when you shine a light on others, it's going to reflect back on you. And I think that's that's really um, the key to this here. Um, what line stands out to you the most? I mean, they, they all like, you know, like reflect on your demands of others is one that I think is present for me now. Um, telling people that I love them, I'd go out of my way randomly to like for my birthday last year, for example, I, I'm not a big birthday guy, but I wrote letters going back to thank you letters full circle. Mm. I wrote thank you letters to about 30 people and was like, Hey, like, you know, you taught me how like my buddy, John Feeney, for example, who's, who's a, who's a fellow ranger. And uh, I was like, dude, you taught me how to read. <laughs> like, I'll never forget. Like he gave me, um, East of Eden. And I fell in love with that book. I was like, shit, this is a great book. And that was the first I time I really fell in love nice. with like reading. And I wanted to tell him that like, Hey man, you did something. I'm grateful for you. And it's this sort of connection to people that these little things to make sure that they just go said. Um, and, and, you know, I live a very, like, I just, yeah, it all, it all just sits so well for me. And, um, it's the entire but to thing. not take, like, not to take life too seriously as well to realize we're all just trying to figure it out. Um, and to be more, you know, forgiving and open, um, is, is part of my it's, it's it's hitting hard for me now yeah i mean and the other one there is uh, letting an old grudge grow i mean i i literally let one go last week that was sitting on me for a little bit and it was just the right time and place that this person reached out to me and they were going through some shit and i'm like wow. i haven't been close with this person because of that situation and it wasn't anything crazy but it was something that rubbed me the wrong way and i'm a, I'm a man of principle especially if it affects my business and mm. i let it go and i told this person you know what i'm over that shit man and I, and I wow. want to be close with you again. And then like, listen, I'm, I was like, I'll never do business with you again, but let's get back yeah. to being friends. Right. Yeah. Like we don't need to do that. Right. Like, like we could yeah. separate it. We're mature enough in age. Perfecto. Let's bring it home here. What is the single greatest piece of advice you've ever received that you take action on every day of your life? Hmm. I would say that, um, like just give yourself some grace. And um, that was my, my platoon sergeant that taught me that of just, you know, and it's really bridges well from my, my grandmother's journal entry from 1984 of, you know, we're all human and just give yourself some grace. And that's what it's all about. It's like being human and remembering that we're just here to try to make the world a little bit better than, than we found it. Amen, man. And last but not least, you look back on your life and it hasn't at all mm. been, you know, peaches and rainbows mm. and you've been through some shit and you think about those really hard times growing up. Yeah. Shitbag father. I'll say it for you, man. Right. Yeah. Not there for Straight you. Up. Not there for you. Climbing your way through the military West Point and you've had some really hard times in your life and you look back on those hard times and you had to dig down and find that place and find that fire and find that tenacity to pull you up and over the ledge 
Mm-hmm. You look back on it now with gratitude, real fucking gratitude. Real gratitude. Real, real gratitude. gratitude. Perfecto, Sanchez. What is your compass in life? What drives you? What is your North Star? I mean, it's, again, I th- I still think it's like, um, regardless of what any of us believe in, um, my friend's daughter said this to me and you know if you ask her who is god she'll say god is love and love is everywhere and you know i still think that we're all connected with like we're all connected to this one higher truth of just wanting to be part of something greater than ourselves and if i can play my role and share love and because of my hardships i think i'm able to sort of be a grounding force in all of that i uh i just believe in a world where we can where we can get along and and all sort of realize our dreams. It might be crazy for me to think that, but I'm going to keep fighting for it. Well, keep on fighting, man. This has been a, a tremendous conversation, and thank you for being vulnerable. Thank you for your service. Thank you for everything that you're doing and, and just being a good human being. I appreciate it. To learn, out, learn more about Keep the Change, please visit morechange.com. Co. Perfecto. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hang with me. For Cheers, a brother. Good times. Yeah. And everyone listening, this has been a good one. This is, this, this is what the show is all about. Listen, if this show means something to you, share it. Pay it forward. Sharing means caring. If the show means a lot to you, leave a review rating. It goes a long way. You know how to find us on the social media channels. Thepodcast.com. Hashtag the podcast. Remember, take care of each other. Look out for one another and catch us next week for another great episode of the podcast. Take care, everybody. Wisdom is forever, but for us, it's time to go. Thank you for joining us. Luckily, we'll be back with our next episode soon, jam-packed with more incredible humans. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and sharing. To join the conversation, search The Pausecast on LinkedIn. And to catch up on past episodes and more info, please visit www.thepausecast.com. <laughs>